welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And it's still Summerland here. And welcome to the Finger Licking Program. You are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where we have a tremendous crowd ready for a recap episode of Full of Delight and Insight. Full of Delight. Join us, won't you, as we share our expertise with you uh, tonight. We'll be talking over lots of topics. We'll be going first with sports. We'll talk MLB. The WNBA All-Star Game was this past week. And our uh, resident and WNBA correspondent has his thoughts on the game. Uh, we'll have an update on the Northwestern football situation. We'll talk that through. Uh, we'll also do our I recommend section where Len and I will recommend a, a piece of art, something cultural. We'll, we're sitting out the cultural wars, and instead we're promoting cultural peace uh, through our recommendations. Uh, speaking of culture, we'll also uh, talk about the most recent Emmy nominations. Len will lead that, and I will chime in. We're also nearing the century mark for Rolling Stone's top 500 uh, albums of all time. Lens. The Diamond listeners are giving you a standing ovation, B. Lens National Nightmare is about to end. <laughs> and then finally. It's fun to do, B. It's not a nightmare. <laughs> it's not a nightmare. Uh, it is. Well, the Diamond listeners. Um, the Diamond listeners look forward to this. They have signs that are saying my favorite part of the show. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when you started it, <laughs> you started holding up signs saying, Beave, persevere. Beave, do not abandon this. Beave, maybe more than one album per week. <laughs> uh, uh, and finally, Len will go through his own favorite 500 albums of all time and share those with you. So should be a great one. Let's get right to the program with an incredibly depressing topic, and that is Northwestern football. But well, as most of you probably know, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, the longtime, pretty much uh, living legend of football at Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald, was fired. Uh, he was fired last Friday uh, for his failure to either stop or failure to report or just failure to even know about a horrific uh, series of hazing that were going on within the football team that had apparently been going on for a long, long time. Initially, the school suspended Fitzgerald for two weeks and the, the uh, uproar was so intense that the president of the university said, do I say two weeks? I meant you're fired. And, um, and the details have come out, and they were very ugly. And, you know, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, man. And, and as more details came out, I was like, there's no way he survives this. He won't make it. And he didn't. Um, he's been fired. I'm glad of it. 
And now the question is, <laughs> what do I do with Northwestern football? Because this is something that I have followed pretty closely for the last however many years, 35 years, really. And, you know, we did a podcast on uh, the 10 greatest games in Northwestern history. I've been mm -hmm. to so many of them, including the one last year uh, in Dublin, Ireland, when that was their only win of the season. And it really stinks, this whole situation, because when, when I was there before the game, the, the, the town of Dublin, Ireland was full of Nebraska fans. And they were so pompous and they were so sure of victory because, you know, Northwestern was not supposed to be very good. And they weren't. They were terrible. Mm -hmm. And that night, Northwestern beat Nebraska. An incredible upset. And walking out of that stadium, I just I felt proud. Like I had a NU, I think I had an NU baseball hat on or or I had a Dublin NU and Dublin t-shirt, some sort of Northwestern gear and the people there were like hey you did it you know and you know we'd go into the pubs and people were the 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 people who lived in ireland were cheering and i just felt so proud to have gone there it was great it was great never experienced that before ever really and now that's it's ruined it's gone and my announcement is i don't i'm not going to go to another football game I don't want to go. I don't want to support that. Um, especially, and the email groups, you know, I'm on a couple of email groups of friends of mine. Mm -hmm. All of them are like, some of them are season ticket holders. A couple of them are like, they're, they're boosters. They give money. And mm -hmm. uh, so there's been arguments going on because two of the bigger boosters are like, First, they were like, if Fitzgerald is, if this is two weeks. No, we're not going. We're, we're not giving any more money. To, no, he's got to go. And now he's gone. And they're like, oh, well, we're coming back. They're handling it. And then other season ticket holders are like, yeah, but they're keeping all the coaches. They're not cleaning house. And so they're keeping these coaches that presumably are, they they're closer to the ground. They probably knew what was going on more than Fitzgerald did. Yeah. And you know, one one guy was saying, you know, if I was a parent and I had my kid, you know, going there, I wouldn't feel good about how they're handling it at all. Not one bit. So there's a lot of there's still a lot of like bad feelings about it. And I don't know. I uh maybe I'll feel differently like a year from now or so and you know or I'll want to go to a game but right now I'm like you know I don't want to I don't want to go to anymore but I guess I would feel okay still going to NU basketball I think that's okay um especially now that they have seats for us because of our successful jag bags night where they beat the Illini last year oh they have the jag bags yeah golden chairs as I <laughs> they are yeah and yeah. uh well we'll go we'll go to an nu illinois basketball game so we can still do that but i think i'm taking a break from football i just what's I really shocking is because and people have brought this up in the stuff i've read yeah because northwestern is such a 
academic school, right? And for this to happen there, terrible. Like if you read about this and it happened at Miami or some some of the huge college teams, you'd be like, oh, well, that makes Ohio State. Would you be would you have been shocked if you heard this about Ohio State? Not at all. No, Northwestern. It's shocking. Yeah, very. And they have problems recruiting as it is. Now they're they dug themselves a gigantic hole. I read that eight players have hired that prominent civil rights attorney, Ben Crump. Yeah, I read that today. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. We're going to have a ton of transfers. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you one more question, then we'll move on. Another friend of mine said, listen, they should just do the right thing and give themselves the, you know, the death penalty and just not feel the team. They're going to get blown out anyway this year. This year is going to be horrific, no matter what. And so why put yourself through that? You know, build the stadium, you know, completely clean house. It's still a good job because you're in the Big Ten and you're in a major market and you have a sterling, (laughs) at least you have a sterling academic uh, reputation and just start over. And uh, I think that seems a little extreme. I don't know about that. That would set NU football back by at least a decade. Yeah. But it might send the right message. There are things more important. Uh, but I mean, I just keep thinking like how shocking it is. I so like you're still reacting to it. I mean, I'm obviously not. You're right. I didn't go there like you did. But yeah. still, to me, I'm like, this is just a crazy story. Makes no sense. Yeah. Maybe I'll change my mind, but I don't think so. As of night, right now, I, and I go to a game or two or three every year. And, uh, you know, I'm not proud anymore. I'm, I'm, so why, why do I want to give them my money? I don't It's sad. But mm-hmm. never fear. We'll go to Northwestern women's field hockey games. And we'll go to uh NU basketball we'll find other sports to support and it's such a hazing thing you feel like that's <laughs> what decade are we in i know and the hazing itself the details are we're not going to talk about those but they are sordid and gross yeah <laughs> really gross mm-hmm. so no thank you I, I can't believe that. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have to say on the NU football thing. It's a shame for all involved. I feel terrible, especially for those who like, you know, there's some of these boosters, these two guys that I know, I mean, they've given so much money to the football program over the years. And they are just like, yeah, they're, they're like lost. They're legitimately like a major. They're betrayed. They got betrayed. A major part of their identity is wrapped up in this part of the year. They they travel to away games. They you know, are very invested. One of them is like a member of like their biggest kind of wildcat fund. They get like skybox seats and all the perks and and uh, yeah, he's a mess. <laughs> Feel bad for him. Anyway, all right. We should we should move on. Len, look at this very sophisticated uh, water glass with the lemon slice. Uh, it's uh, part of the podcast dinner. 
not, what was the what was the podcast dinner tonight? Well, it's for Laura our- made it like a 1965 airline trip. <laughs> it was Jefferson Airplane. Love it. And just you take a look on Facebook. There's a picture of it. I always miss those. So like a typical meal that you would you would have back then. I love it. I just kept it just kept making me think of Mad Men the whole time. I love it. So I just kept going. For all the podcast listeners who cannot see, that was a very uh, uh, nice water glass with a lemon slice. I'm like got my own poor little little sad cup of water in, in comparison. Uh, let's move on. Let's should we talk MLB? Yes. So. First of all, All-Star Game, which I always look forward to. Yeah. Really good game this year. But, (laughs) and I'm not into uniforms that much, but the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, these are terrible. Terrible uniforms. (laughs) Ugly. And they looked like they were wrinkled, like they didn't even bother to iron them. (laughs) Like, these are the worst uniforms (laughs) I've ever seen. Oh, bad. And then our friend Dan Latke posted today. They were selling for like $579 or something. Who do they <laughs> like, think what they do you, are? What do they like? Think? Those are awful. I wouldn't take that. I, I would take it for free, but yeah, sure. And, and it relates to what we talked about last week. Since I don't know all the players, I kept having to wait for them to show like a cop, uh, a a shot of the side of their hat so i know what team they're on right like what team are they actually on in baseball because before you watch all-star games they're wearing their normal uniforms which i like i like that yeah so it's i was kind of mad about that but the game was the game was really fun to watch yeah the I national like league it. actually won for the first time in like a decade right in in a uh with a late ending drama yeah Two-run homer, backup catcher. Well, he was a backup catcher basically his whole career, and now he's finally a starter. Diaz and the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. Super excited. It's a two-run homer. Off, I think it was, I think it was a pitcher from the Orioles who's throwing like a hundred. And he hits this big homer. And then there's a lot of drama in the bottom of the ninth, too, because Kimbrell was pitching. And <laughs> As a Cubs fan, I was like, whoop. And it was like a typical Kimbrel save. He had yeah. two guys on. He's got a- he, he struck out your friend, Jose Ramirez, to end the game. He's got to put guys on to keep it interesting. I thought for sure Ramirez was going to get a hit. I thought I thought this game's over. I'm like, Ramirez is going to like double in two, and the American League is going to win again. Yeah. But Kimbrel got him out. Ramirez hasn't gotten – White hot, uh, like he has in years past. I'm still waiting for him to. He looks surprised that he missed that pitch too. Like after he's walking back, and you can, he looked look on his face. I was like, "How did I miss that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I missed the game. My daughter was like, "Let's go see a movie." And you know, when uh, when the 18 year old says, "Let's do something," I really, I think if I had said, "Honey." Let's watch the All Star Game together instead. I think uh, I might have 
you'd have you'd have been lend bags solo <laughs> lend bags <laughs> there has been a lot of talk about that beef but i know i i ignore the rumors i know i'm our, graciously continuing on i know our relationship is rock solid and i know those twitter rumors are completely baseless <laughs> uh you want to talk about the cubs yeah oh one last thing about the all-star game oh. i actually recorded it oh okay so i watched it over like a three-day period <laughs> but what? i'm like i gotta watch it i love it i love it yeah, the Cubs are frustrating because I looked at the schedule. Uh, the Red Sox are a good team, but we had Hendricks, Stroman, Steele. I'm like, we could win the series. Three pitchers were pitching really well, and two of them got shelled. Yeah. Hendricks and Steele didn't get it done. Yeah. So that was that's kind of a depressing start to the first games after the All-Star break. Right? Yeah, I mean, the, to, to in the Cubs' defense, I mean, the Red Sox are on fire. They just—I think they caught Boston at, or the Boston, or they the Cubs caught Boston at a bad time for them. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox are playing out of their minds. Yeah, um, but yeah, you you were like, oh, maybe they'll, maybe they can like make some ground. Yeah, because of the matchups, I thought maybe we could get two out of three because our best pitchers are pitching. Right. And now we play the Nationals and the Cardinals, who are both terrible. But the Nationals series, it's uh, Smiley, who's been struggling. Yeah. Oh, is it what's is it four to one right now? Yeah, Washington's winning four to one. Oh, yeah, because Smiley hasn't been pitching well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jameson Tyon tomorrow. He pitched well once this year. Against the Yankees. And then Hendricks, who has struggled his last two starts. So I'm going to the game tomorrow. Okay. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. When's oh, I get to see Hendricks. So hopefully Hendricks usually pitches well when I go. So let's you'll have your you'll have your notes for him. Do the all my notes for him. We'll do a uh, warm-up for you, throw a throw a bullpen session. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell them how to approach the hitters under your watchful eye. Yeah, so that'll be good. Over your game plan together. Yep, yep. But that's my first game. This is probably the latest I've ever gone to a game in a season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had lane call. You had a good excuse. I got a couple in August too. So. You know, if the Cubs can take advantage, because the Reds are finally falling back to earth a little bit. Yeah, the Brewers swept them. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I don't, I don't, I personally don't think Milwaukee is the real deal. So they're still in the single digits, but they, I feel like they need to keep it in the single digits come August because then that gets tough to overcome. They can just shave off a couple games. They're eight back. They can shave it to like six. Going into August. I think they need to be closer than that. Because if you're the Cubs GM and you're looking at how well Bellinger and Stroman are playing, you're not gonna wait that long. Yeah, unless they got you're go. you're in in the mix for sure. Like yeah. two or three games back. 
because they're not going to want to get nothing for either one of them. You can get a lot for Stroman. Yeah. And Bellinger's been great. He's been great. It's going to be interesting to see what they can get for him because they can be like, well, the Cubs are also going to be eager to get rid of him so they can get something for him. Unless they're right there for a playoff spot. Unless they're right. But they're not really inspiring. I mean, there's there's still too many guys underachieving. Yep. I mean, Suzuki and Hap, they're both under 250 now, both of them. And and Ross always bats them up high. It's like put Morell and and Bellinger up higher in the order. I think he batted Suzuki kind of low yesterday. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if they're not getting any hits. Like, Either put them down in the order or give them give them a couple days off because they're not they're both playing really poorly. Um, let's see how he's got Hap hitting third tonight. Yeah, and two forty three without power. And That's your number three hitter. And Suzuki's hitting second tonight. Yeah, which is supposed to be your best hitter. None I, of that makes sense. Well, I think that's because Swanson's out of the lineup tonight. But put Morell up there. Morell's Morell's sitting well. He is. Morell should, should bat second right now, the way he's hitting. Sometimes as a manager, you don't want to mess with success. Like if a but guy not successful. <laughs> There's seven oh, games under 500. No, what I'm saying is what I mean is you don't want to mess with a hitter's success. Like Morell is producing lower in the lineup. And if you move him up. The, the fear is that he might start to feel the pressure a little bit and, you know, start to. But, you, but you're running out of time. Try to do too much. Right. Your team might be broken up if you don't start winning. So you might as well put your best players at the top. I guess try. Yeah. And hope uh, he keeps going. Is Swanson hurt? Yeah. He's, he might be back in a couple of days. By the way, it's fantastic that the Cubs have a guy named Swanson uh, on their team. <laughs> we haven't talked about that, and it needs uh, it needs to be said. <laughs> shortstop man Swanson. Yeah, shortstop man Swanson in the lineup. Anyway. Maybe he's waiting for me to come to the game Wednesday, and I'll be back on Wednesday. He, I, uh, he texted me and said, absolutely waiting for Len. Yeah. Before I go in. Why oh. run Oh, my good friend Kyle Hendricks pitching and Swanson back knowing. Yeah, he said, tell Len, sorry I missed Lane Call. Um, <laughs> looking forward to the uh, remount at the Steppenwolf. So, uh, <laughs> of course. Oh. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Steppenwolf season ticket holders. What? <laughs> We're converting the Steppenwolf. That would be the review. Giant what? venture. <laughs> <laughs> well uh well they've got a couple more games to turn around and then uh st louis is st louis is the most disappointing team in the national league there's no two ways about it possibly in all of baseball um it's fantastic yeah so sit and revel so at least that that is a bright spot so so they have to uh they can still write the ship because Washington's terrible. But they've got to start hitting. Yeah. Half uh, officially 
you know, signing that contract might've been the worst thing for him because now he's like, yeah, hey, whatever. I got my money. He's back in your bad graces again. Yeah. I thought Hap could hit between last year. He was consistently good the whole year and he played gold glove defense. So you were looking I had to give it up for him, but this year oof. you had uh, been looking or I've been, both of us have been looking for another leap, maybe thinking maybe could hit between 25, maybe 25 home runs. Yeah. Um, maybe he's trying to hit more home runs and that's messing him up. I don't know. Again, I haven't watched enough. Yeah. I'm just following mainly by reading about it on ESPN or the paper. And maybe right. if I watch some more Cubs games, I'll get an idea. Yeah. Sometimes guys aren't, aren't, their, their stats aren't good, but you watch them hit and you're like, well, it looks like they're swinging at the right pitches and they're hitting the ball. It's just going right to guys. Right. Or if they're just, they lost command of the strike zone. They're not sure where the ball's going and they're right. stressing. But I, again, I don't, I haven't seen enough to know what the reason is for him and Suzuki hitting so poorly. Right. What about Guardians? Are they still in first? Guardians are a mess. I mean, they really are a mess. Like they, so they got swept by Texas. So they are no longer in first. Um, Texas is a great team. They're having a great year. They're like six all-stars. Yeah, Texas is a great team, and it stinks because the Guardians had the lead in the eighth, both games, and uh, suffered horrific collapses um, in both games. So that's very bad. So they're, they're pounding the heck out of Pittsburgh right now. So that's good. And uh they i think they get the reds after this so hopefully the reds continue their tailspin because i was not looking forward to that ohio series because i was like the reds are going to wipe the field with cleveland um Mm -hmm. but the guardians are in a real bind because okay mckenzie who knows who knows how he might be out for the year quantrill his shoulder's not right so he's on the uh, dl now, Bieber. Eve, I got to interrupt you for one second. <laughs> oh. Infield single by Suzuki, half homered. See? Like, instant, they, they just hurt us. They instant just hurt results. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is awesome. <laughs> See, on Jag Bags, we discuss issues, <laughs> and we force the issues. <laughs> wow. Much like Luka Doncic, we inspire Suzuki. <laughs> I was laughing when I saw that. That is funny. Well, where are the Guardians? Are they in first or second? They're in second because the Twins have started winning. So the Twins have, little, Twins have a little win streak. Guardians have a losing streak. The Guardians pitching staff, once again, is in total shambles. Bieber now going on. I saw that. Injured reserve. So that messes everything up. Yeah. Because now they're like, <laughs> we wanted, we maybe wanted to trade this guy. Now what do we do? Mm-hmm. What really complicates everything is there's so much that's not right. So that pitching staff is in complete shambles. Tonight against the Pirates, they're like, they had to start a reliever. And they're doing this whole, you know, pitching by, you know, committee and whoever is 
you know, freshest. The bullpen is shot because they're just so overworked because these rookies, they don't want to overwork the rookies. So they're leaning on the relievers. Stefan, Trevor Stefan, there's something not right with him because he's just, now he's just serving up meatballs. He's throwing batting practice. Uh, De Los Santos, who was really good. Now he's losing effectiveness. Henkes is another one that seems to be going off the rails. So if the Guardians, but the, the so normally like, okay, sell. The problem is that the Guardians are a game and a half out of first in the division. Yeah. So they're kind of, I mean, they really are. They're in a bind. Well, I guess the GM thing is, okay, maybe we can make a playoffs, but are we going to beat anybody? Right. And so I guess the question is, you know, do you just forfeit the season uh, or, you know, just give up on the season? The division's so bad, though, you could even say that, forfeit the season, and then you're still in it somehow. Exactly. <laughs> that division is horrendous. Exactly. Might as well, because if you trade Bieber now, what are you going to get for him? He's hurt. Yeah. Who's going to want him? I mean, the White Sox, who actually had a good series. Yeah. Beating the Braves two out of three. Yeah. They're in it somehow, and I feel like they lose every game, but they're they're in the race. They're they're eight and a half. Cubs are eight out. Sox are eight and a half out. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the Twins or Guardians are exactly running away with this division. Yeah. So, uh, but of course, the Sox, though Eloy Jimenez got hurt for the eight thousandth time in his career. <laughs> I think the guy in the Sun Times put it. <laughs> just called it an Eloy. But he got hurt again. Death taxes and Jimenez getting hurt. Yeah, at least uh, at least Luis Robert. I mean, he's a he's great. He's a legit MVP candidate. Yeah, and Burger's gotten hot for them. Yep. So and, you know, but they're talking about in the paper about getting rid of Jolito because he's having a good year, and they think the Dodgers want him, and he's from that area. He might be able to get something for him. But what was also encouraging, though, for the Sox was Anderson got two hits yesterday. And he's had a terrible year. Right. So maybe they're turning a corner there, or maybe Anderson's turning a corner there a little bit. Yeah, if he he got hot, that would be huge. Right. And, oh, and Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease also had a good game. So two two of their best players who've been bad this year had really good games against the Braves. Right. So if uh, right now the teams that are uh, really most upset with the AL Central are uh, Boston and New York. Not that I care. Because they won't make the playoffs. (laughs) The the Red Sox and the Yankees both have better records than uh, Cleveland or Minnesota, and they'll be one of them, one of the teams will make it in, and the and the Red Sox and Yankees will be shut out. So, yeah, because right now it'd be Rays, Orioles, whoever li- wins that year division, mm-hmm. and then the Rangers. Do the Astros have a better record than uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox? They do. Yeah. So the top three non-division teams are Baltimore, Toronto, and Houston. Yeah. 
and then it's the Red Sox and Yankees. It couldn't happen to two nicer franchises. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> well, I always root against the Yankees, so. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Anything else on MLB? No, that's it. All right, let's let's talk. Uh, this is this is this truly is the part of the program everyone waits for, and that is the WNBA report. But the yeah. sky are off because it was the All Star game. It's All Star. Yeah, week. they get a long break. Yeah, so they can sort out all this craziness with Wade leaving. Yeah. What was funny? <laughs> the All Star game. I watched the All Star game. I enjoyed it. Not a lot of defense, and not even no one. There was like no fouls the whole game, <laughs> and the announcers kept saying that they're like, "Well, they can't get the subs in because <laughs> there's never a stoppage of play," <laughs> and they have a four pointer. And last year during the All Star game, people were cranking up fours and missing them, but this year they made some. Hmm. I don't know if you saw Sabrina Ionescu's three-point shooting. She made like what? How many in a row? I think she made, I don't remember the exact number in a row, but it was, I think she made 25 out of 27 shots. Incredible. It was like, it was a video game. You're like, you're, you're watching. I mean, I didn't watch it live. I watched, but I'm like, I have to watch this. So I watched the highlights and she was automatic. Incredible. No one, I mean, and they interviewed her and she's like, yeah, maybe I can make them all next year. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. And while I was weeping while watching Courtney Vandersloot play, she's like, there's always a guy in the all-star or a player in the all-star game in any sport. Well, especially basketball, who does not want to play in the all-star game because they want to compete. Yeah. They're like throwing passes to Vandersloot where she's like under the basket and she would just whip it right back out. <laughs> she's like, I'm not, per- I'm in the game, but I'm not participating in this. She took one shot. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, no, this goes against my nature as a competitor. Right. I, but, but again, it's still, I know, I think I, I knew most of the players in the game. It's not like the all base. It's weird. I know more WNBA all-stars than baseball all-stars. Now that, right. I mean, like, but you watch the games, you make sure not to miss a sky game. For the most part. I missed, I missed a couple recently just because they're a little frustrating. Yeah. And I think, Mabry, that Mabry deal might really hurt them. And Mabry, I don't think Mabry, well, Mabry and Copper both. Mabry, I think, overrates herself. Sure. She's going to talk about how I think I should be an all-star. Yeah. But she's not an all-star. She's not on that level. Right. And Copper, talent-wise, is an all-star. You watch her play, and she's she might be – her and Kelsey Plum are probably the two quickest players in the league. Like, when those two get the ball, they can run right past people for yeah. a layup if it's one-on-one. Right. But Copper doesn't have court sense. Like, and I've, I've said this a bunch of times. Yeah. She needs to learn how to pass the ball. 
she needs to learn when she's getting doubled. She has to anticipate those double teams and find find a teammate in the right spot. And she never does that. And I think she's she might be a free agent after this year. What she was talking about, they asked her about next year. And she was talking about, well, I'm, I'm working on it as far as getting players to come play for the sky. Right. And one of the players they mentioned is Jewel Lloyd. Are you familiar, familiar with her? I've heard the name. She's on Seattle. She's a gr- She was MVP of the All-Star game. Great shooter. I would love to have her on our team. Yeah. So if Copper's friends with her and she can recruit her, that would be huge because we really need a player like that. It's a... I guess it depends on how good copper. I think we should send copper recruiting tips, like maybe a book on, you know, how to close the deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jokes, yeah. you know, funny jokes to tell. <laughs> I <can> imagine <laughs> copper. Hmm. Someone named Jagbags sent me jokes to say. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> And why is there, why do they enclose a picture of James Wade and Courtney Vandersloot on a ladder? I don't yeah. understand this. What is what who are these guys? Yeah. Just some icebreakers for you. You know, when you're talking to Jewel, you know, and you're maybe you might hit a dead spot, you know, <laughs> awkward pause, you know, just to lighten the mood a little bit. Mm-hmm. Also, some icebreaking party games would be good. Spike ball, uh, pickleball, uh, ping pong uh snooker uh just ways to snooker is snooker is the greatest that'll that'll get you in for sure absolutely so you get a good snooker game going and then the next thing you know she's putty in your hands you talk her to anything yeah yeah i i agree i agree completely anyway looks like the sky will be champions next year (laughs) if she reads that book i mean Jagbags has the solutions. It's just she she has only to walk through the door. Yeah. So if you're listening, James Wade uh, in Toronto will he'll fax you his uh, agreement, saying absolutely these guys know what the heck they're talking about. Uh, I think they're, the sky right now are in the eighth spot where they would make the playoffs, but as the eighth seed, they need to play better. The eighth seed would put them in the first round against the Las Vegas Aces. Yeah, and they well, actually, I think maybe the Aces would have a bye if they do it the same as last year. Oh, but they should be. I feel like with the team they have, they should be more of a five or six seed. But they have to less turnovers, better, um, better passing, more just be more consistent. You know who's who's coaching the team now? Uh, I can picture him. I I don't know. I'd have to look up his name. Right. He he was an assistant for a long time for Wade. His name is. James Wade comes up. <laughs> He's not the coach. <laughs> Emery Vatten Sever. Well, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, not an easy name to say, which is great for the podcast. I love it. You know, if if uh, if Emery, you know, is a guy that 
I assume it's a, is it a guy or is Emery a yeah he's he's a guy. If Emery is someone who can reach this team, you know, it's possible that Wade might have been distracted, you know, because he's you know plotting his exit. But we didn't say anything to me about it while I was on the ladder. I'll just say that right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's possible that he could have been distracted, and which could have contributed to the team's kind of underachievement. And with a new coach who's got his whole focus, and if they've if he's got a system that they can buy into, maybe they do. Improve. Maybe. Hard to know. They got a, a decent amount of talent. Yeah. They don't have an elite team talent, but they should be they should be better than they are right now. Right. Yeah. Um, well, the second half will tell. Mm-hmm. When's uh when's the season start back up? I think the 20th is when their next game is. Oh, coming up on Thursday. Yeah. Um, well, we'll uh, and we shall see. And who are they playing that first? Uh, I was just going to look that up. Let's see. Whoever they're playing. They play Phoenix, who's really bad. So they can get right quickly. Phoenix is 4-15. and 15. Yeah. So it's there. It's there to have. Mm-hmm. I think their schedule the first week or two isn't that tough. Yeah. So maybe they can some, get some quick wins, get some confidence. Opportunity to make a move. Yeah. Yeah. We shall we shall see. Anything else on no, that's it. WNBA or uh the the sky? Um, that's it. Well, should we go to I recommend? Sure. Uh, I'll start. Okay. My I recommend is a book called The Anti-Romantic Child. It's by Priscilla Gilman. Priscilla. Priscilla. Priscilla Gilman. The uh, the Xanax is kicked in. (laughs) And it's basically about this woman, her first child, and he has some developmental issues, even mm-hmm. though he's really precocious. Like he reads real early, but he has problems socializing and coping with different things. And what makes it really, this can, this is an older book. It came out 2011. Mm-hmm. What makes it really good is she's such a good writer and she was a teacher, an academic, and so was her husband. Yeah. Well, the writing's excellent. And you just feel the emotion of it the whole time, like Mm -hmm. the struggle. Yeah. It's not a depressing book. It's not that kind of a book. Mm -hmm. But it's all about the hard work they have to do to work with their son to uh, help them have them cope with it. And I I would just, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And she like does it with, she's a big Wordsworth fan. So Hmm. she'll like put like little excerpts of Wordsworth poems in it. Oh, wow. And it just, it just draws you in. And I read it really, really quickly. I was like, why, why was this book bigger? Cause it's, 
Really good. Anti-romantic child, Priscilla Gilman. That's that's my I recommend. For this. And how old was the uh, the child in the? Well, it basically just when it starts when you're like he's like three or four and, and they start through. to realize all right he's not yeah doing what he's supposed to be or he's not doing well with the other kids and but again it's not it's not a depressing book it's a hopeful book and it's about perseverance and how dealing with this these things can actually be rewarding in a sense yeah and how old is the child when the book ends um i think he's early grammar school when the book ends oh so okay yeah, yeah. yeah. i'd like to read it no nope. like anti-romantic child mm -hmm. i'll uh i'll look for that but not on amazon i will go thank you thank you and purchase the physical <laughs> right um Anything, anything else on? That's on it. That's it for me for this week. Um, so my apologies. I really don't think that I have spoken about this movie, but for whatever reason, I thought I talked about it last week's recap episode. But now I think I talked about the bear. I talked about the bear. and You did talk about the bear. So I feel okay talking about this movie because I don't think I've reviewed it or recommended it. But I do recommend the new Indiana Jones movie. It's called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, Harrison Ford is back as Indiana Jones. Uh, he's on familiar territory again. He's battling Nazis. So already it's kind of like familiar ground and they're going after another treasure. But this time it's a it's a dial that is uh, um, it's half of a dial. And if they can only connect it with the other half of the dial, then they can do time travel. And uh, the um, German uh, uh, villain who is dressed exactly like Tote, the villain from the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I forget his name, the character's name, but uh, he's played by Mads Mikkelsen. Um, he's oily and villainous. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who is terrific and everything he does is great yeah he's a really really good actor and uh indy hooks up with uh the daughter of his uh, indiana jones seems to have lots of old partners that he just <laughs> and then hooks up with their daughters uh but uh this time the daughter is played by phoebe uh waller bridges and she's great too so and of course there's a cute kid that tags along uh Antonio Banderas totally chews scenery uh during his time in the movie. He's he is amming it up. I, I loved it. Uh so he's got uh he makes an appearance. Um you know when I saw the movie, saw it at the Logan uh theater on Milwaukee and uh and I went with our good friend and podcast guest Matt Engel. Oh yeah, you want know Engel? Engel calls me up. He goes, or actually, I called him up, and I said, "Cause um, everyone was gone, I had nothing to do, so I called him up. And say you want to, uh, let's go see a movie." And he was like, "All right, what do you want to see?" And I go, "Do you want to see the Indiana Jones movie again?" And he's like, "Heck yes, it was awesome." 
And then I looked at the runtime and I was like, two and a half hours. And he goes, you won't look at your watch once. And uh, he was right. Because that was my biggest thing. I was like, two and a half hours. And the last movie was no good. But he's it clips along. It's very entertaining. Never looked at my watch once, unlike the other movie that I'm going to talk about, that you and I are going to debate, where I was looking at my watch every 10 minutes. Um, this movie clips along. The director is James Mangold, who you can tell he's a fan. He understands the kind of the parts of Indiana Jones that make him, you know, that he does all these good callbacks to uh, earlier movies. And, um, you know, so he keeps it very well paced and the acting's great. And what I liked was, <laughs> I didn't realize, cause I said to Engel, I go, was this in like all the other movies? And Engel's like, yeah, hello. And I liked it how you would see a close up of a character's face you know, in the screen, and then he would just get punched in the face. Just this, this fist would come in. <laughs> that happened like seven or eight times, and I was like, this is outstanding. I was, I was dying. Uh, everyone. So, um, yeah. If you're wondering, and I did not care for the the Indiana Jones movie before this. Uh, I think the, the the Crystal Skull. I, I, I've never seen it. Because I think I've, how many, this is the fifth one? Got panned. I think it's the, yeah, this is the fifth one, yeah. Because I love Raiders. I didn't like Temple of Doom that much. I didn't like, what's the third one called? Sean Connery? Yeah, I did not like that one. I like that. I did so not I like skipped it. the fourth one, and I was talking to our friend. You missed nothing. Kevin O'Reilly, actually yesterday. Yeah. He's like, you have to see Crystal Skull just for how horrible it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he told me <laughs> really is i would never have seen this fifth one if engel and there are a few other people that are like trust it's good yeah and, brian liked it too and i just went because henry wanted to see it yeah i don't i don't know if i liked it as much as you did i did like it though and i do agree it goes by quickly so good good that means good direction to me, that's a triumph. It's a good triumph. action, not overlong yeah. actions. And you hate those guys. Yeah. Especially the sidekicks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hated those guys. Good villains. So that's a yeah, that's that's a plus. But without spoiling anything, I will say <laughs> the last half hour of the movie, which I didn't dislike, but the whole time I'm going, I was going. What is this? <laughs> it was it was ridiculous, no doubt about it. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. But I did enjoy it. So I laughed yeah. very hard when Harrison Ford, not to spoil it, but during the climax of the movie when the plane is you know heading upward, and Harrison Ford's like, "You're making the wrong calculations." Yeah, yeah. He was screaming that line. I was yeah. like, "You you rule." <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard. That was my favorite line. And I also was like, this guy's 80 years old. Impressive. And he's doing all this stuff. Impressive. Mm -hmm. All right. Should we talk really quickly about another movie that? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. New, uh, first of all, uh, the new Wes Anderson movie is out. It's called Asteroid City. And it stars pretty much everyone in Hollywood. 
uh, everyone who has been in a Wes Anderson movie before is in this movie plus Tom Hanks. Um, and uh, it is, um, saw that also with the Logan. And uh, did you like the French Dispatch? I did. Yeah, I did. And so I was kind of hoping an asteroid city is getting. Wes Anderson, though, is for really smart people, I think. Uh, I, I see. I see. Well, as I bumbled and stumbled my way to my seats and had to be shown. Where's how- the explosions? <laughs> yes. Hey, when are they going to start fighting? When are, the, when are the Nazis showing up? Uh, this one had aliens. I can get behind it. Um, I don't think that's a spoiler. Is it a spoiler? Um, There's nothing to spoil. There's no plot. There's zero plot in this movie. Is it, There's no storylines. It's just a bunch of people kind of interacting and doing cutesy scenes. No, disagree. Um, well, I mean, Wes Anderson has his little dialogue and character development he's got that down to a a, a science and so every scene follows the rote and it's everything that i found appealing but there's no story it's just kind of story there's story there is a story but there's no payoff there's no it's not nearly as uh there's not the payoff isn't nearly as satisfying as some of his best movies in fact there's 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 not much of a payoff at all. This is what I'll say about Asteroid City, which I, I loved it, but it took me a while. I think and maybe that kind of affected you. I think it takes a little while to get going. Well, I don't understand film, so I was waiting for the explosions. So that... <laughs> but, uh, once it got going, I loved it. So maybe maybe it was maybe it was that for you. Um what did I, Jesse think? You went with Jesse, right? Yeah, she. she yeah, did. Henry. Henry liked it. You know, you know what? Uh, let me just. She. We walked out of there, and she was like, "I liked it." No, I did. <laughs> I did. Has she seen Wes Anderson movies before? Uh she loved Isle of Dogs. Yeah. She loved Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, those are especially fantastic. Mr. Fox is one of her favorite movies. So, uh, but I don't think she, cause we, I went through all the other older movies and, uh, so like all the, you know, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Steve Zissou, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel hasn't, hasn't seen any of those. And, um, so now I want to go back and watch them again. It always, Wes Anderson movies. I will say it made me want to go back and watch them all again. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's it's for that. But I, you know, I, I just thought that the all the stuff that's meant to like evoke something in the end, because Wes Anderson is really funny. He's got his, you know, you know, his humor is all in the nerd. It's nerd humor, but there's a beating heart, and at the end, the payoff is unexpectedly really. Uh, emotional and you know it's you know it really pulls at the heartstrings and it's you know it's really satisfying and uh, I don't know I just feel like 
maybe I was just. You don't think that happened in this one is what you're saying? No, not to the degree that I was waiting for. So and I think it's just too many characters. I think it's just sort of something. There are a lot of characters. Simplified it more and focused on maybe a couple of, but basically the plot very quickly is about, there's a science fair that is happening in this town that is controlled or run by the government and the army. And so they have this um, competition there and they then have to stay there and cannot leave, the government keeps them there because there's an alien sighting. And so they have to go, to, so the government, you know, shuts the whole thing down and questions everybody. And so you're getting to know all these characters in this city that is constructed and, you know, and how they, um, and you're just getting to know certain, and there's lots of storylines that go on and I can't even begin to list all of them because there's about, Literally, there are about 13 or 14 storylines. There's a yeah. weird storyline about the play because the whole movie is actually a play that is yes. written. That, I was like, that took me out of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, there was no reason to have that in there. Um, it didn't contribute anything to it other than, you know, these guys are good actors. And so... I think... I think it does. I think it does. But again, I loved it. So, all right. So, as asteroids, one, one last thing I'll say about it though is I, there is a lot of people in it. So I oh imagine Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson calling all these are huge actors too. Huge. Oh, oh, Scarlett Johansson said yes. Oh, Tom Hanks said yes. Okay. Steve Carell. <laughs> Joe Di Maria said. I mean, Adrian Brody said yes. So. <laughs> Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. That was part's the last time you saw too. Matt Dillon in a movie. Yeah. yeah, it's like everybody wants to be in a Wes Anderson movie. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And I get why, because in defense of Asteroid City, each of these scenes, it, you know, the actors have a lot to do. All the characters are given very, you can tell, very specific, you know, marks to hit, and they're very, they can follow a roadmap because all their characters are a certain way. And as an actor, you're probably like, this is cool. Yeah. I'd love to be as an I mean, actor. It's good, it's good dialogue. It's good dialogue. I would love to be in a, you know, get that scene where you're like, get to kind of choose scenery and do something interesting. Um, and- Well, uh, Wes and I are discussing a few things. Oh, are you like important? You're one man yeah. <laughs> advising you on- I've, I've asked him a couple of things. And- He's like, you need more people. That's what no, was. he agrees it's a phenomenal idea for it to be just me. Why don't I believe Based on his last one, he's like, you need everyone. <laughs> he's like, the audience will be enthralled. <laughs> Four hours. No Four hours of just me. Oh, no. man, I tell you. <laughs> this, is, this is the theatrical production that all of Chicago is waiting for. Yep. In, uh, coming in what 2024 how long do we have to wait for import? yeah next year next year's the plan love it love it um we'll be we'll be talking a lot more about uh lens upcoming important as uh we get closer to the world premiere <laughs> <laughs> anyways 
Yeah. Anything Should we talk about the Emmys about? now? Yeah, let's talk about the Emmys. First thing I want to say about the Emmys. They're in a danger zone now. I feel like their categories are not being picked correctly. And what I mean by that is they have like a show like The Bear in comedy because it's a half hour. That show is not comedy. Barry is in there. Barry, people are saying, oh, there's moments of comedy, but not not does not feel like a comedy at all to me, especially this year. Yeah. And then they have a show, they Poker Face, of course. I will say Poker Face, I've only seen one episode. Mm-hmm. It was like an hour and something minutes. They put that in comedy. I'm like, first of all, it's over an hour long. Second of all, there's no laughs in the episode I saw. Yeah. What is going on? And what I keep thinking is it's going to make me not want to watch it because that's why I don't watch the Grammys because the Grammys are ridiculous. They have categories where like, what is this category? Exactly. Or they have a category and you're like, but none of these, these people don't belong. These Right. That's, that's what it feels like is yeah. happening now. And they're also, the other thing they keep doing is they'll have a category where it's every actor from that show. And what the two shows that they've done that the most with this year are Succession and White Lotus. So there's like categories where like every single actor's in it. Like supporting actor, I think, is all White Lotus and Succession. <laughs> what? That's ridiculous. So they gotta they gotta be careful because people are gonna lose interest. Right. So I'm just gonna go through stuff and just say like notable things about some of the categories. Okay. So first of all, drama. It's nice to see Andor in it. I, yeah. I didn't finish Andor yet, but I've enjoyed it and i do plan on finishing it yeah give them all the emmys i love that succession which i've gone back and forth with we've talked about succession a lot on the podcast white lotus which i thought was pretty good it was way better than season one which i almost which i pretty much hate watched have you ever seen any of that i didn't even make it through season one yeah season one was i don't why, why do i, I don't even know how I, I finished it but i did and then i watched season two i was like all right. <laughs> but season two is pretty good. All right. Well, I don't I don't get the Jennifer Coolidge thing myself, but people love her. Oh, you on the show. You don't oh on the just on the show. On the show. No, I liked her. I like her in other stuff. But on no. White Lotus, I'm like, I don't like her character at all. At all. But everybody to me, loves I'm her like, on this. And I'm like, what am I missing? To me, that is the most damning indictment of White Lotus is that they somehow managed to make Jennifer Coolidge not funny. I'm like, yeah, but something it just hits everybody else. You agree with me, but most people don't. Yeah, I, I we're the only two. Yeah, and then there's also The Last of Us is nominated, and that I've heard a lot of good things about. It. I'm gonna try to watch that. I haven't seen that, but for but out of those three, I'm actually, I mean, it's not gonna win, but I'd be rooting for Andor out of those three. Me too. Uh, best actor, you. You can probably guess who I'm rooting for. Uh, uh, um, I'm blanking. I'm, I'm <laughs> too much. Karen Culkin is who. I'll be yes, blanking. yes, 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 yes. You are. Yes, yes. And he's he's nominated with Jeremy Strong and 
Brian Cox. And I'm like, Brian Cox is in like three episodes. Brian Cox, yeah. Why is yeah. So I don't I don't get it. I don't get why he's in he, he should be in supporting. I would pick Kieran Culkin over Jeremy Strong this year. Yeah. So let's hope he gets it because he deserves it. Yep. And actress Sarah Snook, she was she was really good in it too. Despite my back and forth on succession, I thought she was great this year too. Uh, so I'd be fine with her winning. Was McFadden nominated? McFadden? Matthew McFadden? Supporting. Oh, he's been supporting. Which I'm about to talk about. Gotcha. So supporting actor is basically everyone from Succession and White Lotus. So people I'm rooting for, Theo James in White Lotus is really good. Okay. He's excellent in it. He's the one, I don't think he's going to, he, he probably doesn't have any chance of winning, but yeah. I was really happy to see him because I thought he was the best, actually probably the best out of all of them that are in this category. Because he plays, his role is he's he's on vacation with his wife and his old college roommate and his old college roommate's wife. And he's like the cool guy. Mm-hmm. And it's all about their history together and how they end up clashing with each other. And I won't spoil anything, but he's so good in that part. Totally believe him. And he's he's English and he's got the perfect American accent. They're all that's always uh British actors are better. They're just better. But the other the other two that I would, would be fine with winning, I guess, are Nicholas Braun, of course, because <laughs> cousin Greg's just ridiculous. And and McFadden. Yeah, I'd be happy if either one of those won. And then supporting actress is almost the same thing. I think it it might be all Succession and White Lotus again. Maybe there's one other show. But can you imagine, like, if you're in a drama this year and it's not those two shows, you have, like, no no shot. Right. It's kind of ridiculous. I'm like, you got to dig deeper. Was Bosch nominated? No. (laughs) Or I'm, Shetland. I'm with oh, I'm with you. The Emmys are in a true danger zone. They are. But a supporting actress, my favorites in supporting actress, two from White Lotus, uh, Megan Fahey, who plays Theo James' wife on it. Mm-hmm. She's really good because she has to play a lot of different notes in it. Yeah. I was really impressed with her. And then Simona Tabasco, who plays one of the prostitutes in it. And she also has to play a lot of different things in it. And I thought she was probably the best person on the show. Oh, wow. I doubt, I doubt either one of them wins. And then uh, Jay Smith Cameron from Succession. I always like her. I always like her. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'll be rooting for in that one. So, and a comedy series is just insane because I just talked about that. The Bears in it, and out of all the shows in this, The Bear is probably the best show. But it is not even close to being a comedy. I mean, Richie kind of makes you laugh because he's so ridiculous. But it's not a comedy. People like like who have a hard time watching the show, it's because it's stressful. If it's a comedy, you're not going to have a hard time watching the show. You know, it's interesting because I think people have an interesting reaction to high-stress situations. Because, you know, it's like the whole... It's like it's like the saying it's a comedy of errors. And that's what things are going wrong. And people are breaking down or like kind of stressed out. 
and and really that's and it's nominated for season one right yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's basically what you see and i think people have different reactions to it like i will laugh at a lot of the things going wrong and eileen is like watching it with me is horrified <laughs> all these yeah. things going wrong yeah. but i think it's a reaction to stress i think some people you know but i don't think it's do you think it's a comedy I think I, it's definitely not a drama. I would not call the bear a drama. I think it's a drama for sure. The guy's brother killed himself. I mean, it's 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 a black comedy, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's a. I drama. don't. That's what they say about Succession too, but I don't think Succession is a comedy either. Maybe it's a dramedy. There are big laughs. I don't think there's. I, I don't laugh that much to bear. I kind of laugh at Richie. Yeah. Especially the moments fact, where he's kind of clashing with the guy who does like work for them. Yeah, Richie and who's trying to get in as like a full timer. That stuff's funny. But any everybody else, do you think anything that Jeremy Allen White does is funny? No way. Uh, he's super serious on it. He's very serious. Uh, sometimes the scenes with Sydney uh, and um, you know her various interactions with Richie are very funny to me. Um, I think Richie well, Sydney is a she's a comedy writer actually. Oh, is she? She she's written for Big Mouth, which is an animated show, and she voices one of the characters show on Netflix. And yeah, she's a funny person. But again, to me, it's all about the struggle of what they're doing there. I'm not watching it like I can't wait to see what this gang has to do now. Uh... Uh, so who's nominated? Who are the so? And then same thing with Barry. Like Barry, to me this year, the only thing that really made me laugh is No Ho Hank will make me laugh occasionally, mm-hmm. but so super. And maybe a couple of moments with I forgot his name. Uh, I have to look up his name in the show. Stephen Root. He plays. I forgot his character. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dukes. He has some funny moments, but it's not a comedy. It does not feel like a comedy at all. So to me, out of all of these, Jury Duty was a surprise, I guess, to get. I thought we talked about Jury Duty last week, which I think is a great show. Right. It got nominated. For sure, that would be my vote because it's hilarious and every episode's good. And then my runner-up would be only murders in a building because only murders in a building had a pretty good year. Their second season yeah, was much, much better, better than the first one. Much better. I enjoyed but it. But I'll be I'll be rooting for jury duty. But my guess is the bear probably wins because everybody seems to love the bear. And I love it, but it should not win comedy awards. Yeah. And so then <laughs> we just talked about poker face. Mm-hmm. Natasha Leone's in it. And again, I'll Probably end up. I mean, I'll watch probably the whole series. They have her nominated for comedy actress mm. for a series. I don't, unless it shocks me and turns into a comedy, I don't think it's a comedy. But she's great on it, but I always like her. And uh, best actor comedy, Martin Short got nominated, but Steve Martin didn't. That's weird. Yeah. So I'm rooting for, I love Martin Short though. So I'm rooting for him. I prefer Martin Short to Steve Martin. If I had to say, rank them in terms of who made you laugh, Martin Short, definitely. 
But that's because well, Martin Short, that's his part, though. Martin Short gets the more comedic part. Steve yes. Martin is way more of a straight man. Yeah. Yeah. But I love both of them. Steve Martin and is. I, I was like, why don't let Steve Martin be wacky. He was like, no one's no one's wackier than Steve Martin. Like, yeah. Why don't you turn him loose at least once? Anyway. Yeah. It doesn't detract from my enjoyment of it. Yeah. And then supporting actor comedy, again, jury duty. James Mars. You have to watch it, Beeb. I got I want you to watch it and we'll talk about it. I, I tried to talk Eileen into it. And she goes, well, What's it about? And I told her and she was like, oh, well, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> Mom. How about you trust my comedy stylings? Tell her, give it one episode. Yep. She doesn't like the first episode. I, I said it has the Len seal of approval. And she was like, she's like, I don't like Len. And I am. Suspicious. He is unsavory. I, I, I think the word she used was suspicious. <laughs> I think that was the word. Well, we all know Eileen is smart. So <laughs> no argument there. <laughs> no, but I, I will watch it. With or without her. But um, Mar- Marsden is hilarious in it. I doubt he wins, but I'll be rooting for him. Hmm. Supporting actress comedy. So, same kind of thing. So, Io Edaberry, who is fantastic on the bear, is nominated. Love great. her. Love her. But, again, I don't think it's a comedic role. Hmm. So, my vote would be for... Janelle James, who's in Abbott Elementary. Have you ever watched that? Love that show. And she's, she, I think out of everybody on that show, she's probably the funniest. Who does she play? She, she plays the principal. Hysterical. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think she should win that. She is hysterical. I would 1,000%. And Abbott Elementary is a traditional comedy. Like that is something you would see on. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of got to respect that. That it's getting making that much impact, and it's the ABC comedy. It's very old school. It's like, hard to get in against all these big cable networks, like you know HBO and Netflix and everything else. So yeah, good for them. Yeah. Uh, best talk show. I'm going to go with Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. Best scripted variety series is interesting this year. So they took, I think they they took John Oliver out of talk show for some reason okay so now he's going up against snl mm. it's like him snl and the black lady sketch show there's only three nominees john oliver has won like a billion years in a row so he'll probably win again sure but i i, I always like snl so uh and the thing about john oliver is i i really like it i watch it every week but some days you watch it and you feel like you're just being lectured at that's, my, That's my only issue with it, but I feel like, but I always come back. I was like, all right, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep watching it because my only problem with John Oliver, and it's pretty much the same thing, is it's just his sketches go on too long. Just shorten them. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Brevity is the soul of wit, as the you know that. Otherwise, it's perfect. But no. that's an interesting bet. I bet he wins it though. I bet he wins because people feel better about voting for John Oliver because right. He's funny, but he's talking about important issues. So he's more likely to get the vote. He's hysterical. Yeah. And he's but, and he's spot on. Well, that's it. I'm going to try to catch up on Last of Us, 
and or and poker face. I uh, are there any actors from Andor nominated? Real quick. No, they're real mad about that. That's, I read a couple articles. What what a snub it was, especially like that's not right. Diego Luna and Fiona Fiona Shaw, and they they thought a bunch of them should have got nominated. Yeah, that's that's uh, seems wrong. Yeah, there's terrific. There's tremendous acting. Stellan Skarsgård. He kicks ass and uh, anyway. All right. Anything else on the Emmys? No, that's it. All right. Now we get to the meat of the program. <laughs> and uh, we're at Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time. And now as the, as the, we get higher and higher going towards number one, like these albums are all like really great. So, um, but there's still, you know, we can just really, I've, I wouldn't like all these five albums. I like, they all belong. I guess the only question is, are they too high or in some cases too low? So let's get into it. Album number 104. That's where we're at. 104. The album, perhaps you've heard of it. Sticky Fingers by a little band I like to call the Rolling Stones. Um, perhaps you've heard of them. Uh, this album was, here's some things, some fun facts about this record. And everyone knows their hits, Brown Sugar and Wild Horses. Uh, the band was on the verge of bankruptcy when they made Sticky Fingers because they had raised the tax rate on the Stones to 90%. That's how terrible tax laws in Britain. I don't know if they're any better, but 90%. And so they were, uh, they were like, we don't have that. And also they didn't own any of the rights to their songs. And they were trying to sue their manager, the uh, infamous Alan Klein, who yeah. was also trying to screw the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So they were on tour and they're like, we got to make this album. Because we, we don't have any money. Mm-hmm. So they made it under duress. And then, of course, being the Stones, they went and like spent like a hundred thousand dollars. It was like one of the most expensive albums ever made. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they're really learning their lesson, but no. they recorded it in, they did not record it in England. They recorded it in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And um, because they, a lot of the R&B hits and, um, you know, kind of blues stuff that they admired was all from there. And, and so they're like, maybe, you know, we could sound just as good as, as those records if we recorded down there. So that's what they did. And it was the first album with Mick Taylor uh, on lead guitar. And so, you know, Keith Richards said, when we're writing these songs, we're like, we got to give Mick Taylor, you know, like some good some good meaty, you know, things to, um, you know, do. And, and I think he, Keith Richards is quoted in uh, his autobiography, that life, uh, which is an excellent book. He said, you know, if we, um, you know, as long as you gave him something to do and kept him interested, then it was a formula for success. And, you know, sticky fingers is a lot of people consider that their best album. And uh, great album. It is great. I love it. I think 104 might be a little too low. 
I think it, I think it should be higher. Um, yeah, I, I I would put it higher. Yeah, I would too. Um, it's definitely better than the album that's at 103. And I love this album. The album is called Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul. And this album was put out in 89. And Q-Tip, the guy who produced it and, is, you know, the one that like, you know, pretty much encouraged them, gave them their sounds. He was doing a tribe called Quest at the same time. And Q-Tip does no wrong. I mean, he was doing a he was in many ways a huge part of the East Coast rap scene and just terrific albums. And Three Feet High and Rising is great. A really great record. I think 103 might be a little high. Um, but I could see, I could definitely see it belonging in the top 200. Um, but I think there are a lot of albums that we've talked about earlier that I think are better than this, uh, but not too many. Maybe like around 140, 150. So I wasn't really familiar with this album. When we, I, just, I did mine and I yeah. listened to it. And I remember liking it, but I don't have specifics. Yeah. You think this is more because they influenced a lot of people with this one? I do. And um, I think their lyrics were, um, you know, I think their lyrics were a little more interesting because you know, they were kind of, um, you know, at the time there was a lot of like public enemy and um, NWA and they were upset about, um, you know, they, they were upset about what was going on in their communities and De La Soul, you know, they were kind of like, I would put in them more like with the Beastie Boys, but even different because the beastie boys were all like kind of frat humor and kind of like, they were the guys that would like, yeah, their whole thing about drinking beer and although they were getting adventurous too, but what De La Soul was doing is that they were doing all these like weird kind of like loops and interludes and samples and their lyrics were kind of strange and kind of spacey and out there a little bit. And so it kind of showed that, hey, hip hop is more than just being angry. You know, you can have fun with this too. There can be, a, there can be some joy in it as well, as opposed to this is wrong. The cops are the worst. I don't have any money. My best friend was killed. Those kinds of things. It just kind of opened up uh, both musically and lyrically. So that's why I think it was influenced. Okay. Um, 102, uh, The Clash, their debut album. I know you don't like The Clash. I um, I wouldn't say I don't like them. I just think they're very overrated. I yeah. like some Clash, but I've they're, they're one of those groups that I've tried a lot with. So I'm like, eh. Keep trying. Yeah. So here are the songs off of uh off the clash and uh uh clash city rockers um which i think is okay complete control i think that's a jam uh their cover of i fought the law which i think is a jam white riot that was like the big first hit i think that's great 
London's Burning, uh, Janie Jones, Career Opportunities, Police and Thieves, or any of these songs kind of like, oh yeah, that's great. Or are you like? No. Yeah. Um, no. I, I'm not like, oh, I hate that song, but I'm not also like, oh yeah. Right. It's like, all right, yeah, it's all right. Um, I, I think uh, they are, I think their lyrics are, you know, what set them apart and they were just so hard driving. I do think that London's Calling is a little overrated. Yeah, that, you've seen that in like top 10 of all time albums. Yeah. I don't think it's that good. And, uh, but at their best, I think they're as good as anybody. Because mm. oh, they're super high energy. Um, I think this record is, I think it's about right where it is. But um, is it better than Sticky Fingers? Heck no. It is not better than Sticky Fingers. Um, finally, a uh, couple of things. First of all, this album was produced by Mickey Foot. Uh, I just didn't know. Oh that. yeah, <laughs> Foot, who served as he was their technician. <laughs> I I was like, oh, the Clash's technician. Uh, that was his job uh, as the technician uh, for the Clash, and uh, also the Clash were signed by CBS Record after just playing 30 shows. They're just playing around town and had done a grand total of 30 shows before they were hired or signed to CBS records for a staggering amount of money. Now they were like total punks and they were like leading the charge, but they were like, they were accused of selling out, um, which I didn't, all of that, all of which I did not really realize, but what a, like a cultural kind of like, you know, they were, they were like it, they were next because they were really talking about what a whole younger generation, you know, was feeling that they started a movement really, or they didn't start. I'll have to talk to Mickey about it. Popularized it. Maybe I'll Mickey, come around. Mickey will be like, as their when Mickey's over for family dinner, I will. I, I bet you didn't know I was their technician. <laughs> you never uh, told me. Yep. Uh, Album 101, here's an album that is, The Clash is certainly not better than, and that's Led Zeppelin. Um, their first album. And all I think about is like, you know, you know if you're like listening to like <clears throat> the Beatles and the Stones, and now Hendrix was pretty heavy, but I don't think Sabbath was out yet when that first album came out. So you're used to that. And maybe Hendrix is kind of, blown your mind a little bit and then you put on this record i'm sure that people are like who the heck are these guys mm -hmm. um you know that album is tremendous i think 101 might be a little too i think it should be higher i i can't think of many albums that are better than their first one and we talk about it uh, quite a bit on uh we talk about this album quite a bit on the led zeppelin podcast episode starring scott oaken which we yeah my my that. issue with it is it has my favorite Zeppelin song, mm -hmm. babe. I'm gonna leave you, mm -hmm. and I think Communication Breakdown is one of their greatest songs either. Yeah. I mean, also, but I don't like the two fake blues songs, so that's why I don't rate it as highly as Physical Graffiti or 
Zeppelin IV. Yeah, I agree. So for me, I think it's a little little too high because <laughs> those two are, are almost skips for me when I listen to it. I I, I don't I don't mind them. Um, you know, maybe they go on a little long, but that's the worst thing I can say about them. And Oaken is, I can just feel his outrage. Uh, <laughs> um, through, I mean, I can hear it all the way from uh, uh, the west side of the city. So uh, I, I, I will, uh, I will not. The listeners demand our honesty, Beef. Uh, they can see right through us. Yes, they do. Especially in the early days when everyone used to say, "Why is Beef lying?" And you had to <laughs> become more honest, and it's made you a better person. Uh, yes, my all my lies. Yeah. Uh, the last uh, album is "Music from Big Pink" by the band. Um, and I prefer the Basement Tapes. To Me too. Record, but it's the band. It's got so a lot of it's got the weight, which is amazing. Yeah. This wheels on fire. Two couple Dylan's great song. song. Uh, I shall be released, which I love. That's my favorite, favorite band song. That's a f- amazing. That's one of the best songs ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also maybe <laughs> songs that aren't as well known, but that I really like. Lonesome Susie, love that song. Uh, In a station, I think is very underrated, and the last one is We Can Talk. Love that song. All from music. From Forgot the- Chest Fever. Uh, I like Chest Fever. Love Chest Fever. Mm. So the band is so interesting because they have five guys who could all be like lead singer stud guys anywhere else. And they're all together. And uh, backing Bob Dylan. It's uh, yeah, it's crazy that they didn't all branch out and do their own thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think I would not put it this high. No way is music from Big Pink better than Sticky Fingers. No way. No. Yeah, I agree. But it's a good album. Yeah, I really like that. That's not to say that it doesn't belong here. I think it does. I think it's more like, I think Sticky Fingers is too low. The more I talk about it, the more I'm convinced of that. Anyway, those are my top 500. Next week, I start at album number 99. A confetti is coming out of the ceiling here. Beeb has reached double digits. I say we thought the excitement. We're gonna have a big party at Mash Waters after we finish recording this podcast. We thought this day would never come. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> uh so all right, let's move on to uh let's move on to uh Len's favorite 500. Here we go. I'm up to 300. Oh man, here we go. First is Procol Harem's greatest hits. <laughs> and this is goddamn right. Procol. I guess this came out in 2000. Yeah. We skipped the light fandango. Turned cartwheels across the floor. I was feeling kind of seasick. The crowd called out for more. <laughs> now, most people know whiter shade of pants. Right. But Procol Harum goes deep. 
Mm. And I remember when I bought this, I'm like, all right, I'll give it a listen. I'm like, wow, they're really good. But I still haven't gone back. I need to do what I usually do, go through all their albums. Yeah, yeah. Give them all a listen, and I'm sure I'll find more good stuff. I'll be honest. Keith, I, I, how much Procol Harum do you know, Beef? I'll be honest. I only know them for a wider shade of, shade of Really? You might know Conquistador because that's been played on classic rock stations. Give that a listen. I bet you you'll recognize it. Good. And Hamburg, I guess, was a minor hit. So you you actually you might have heard that too. Okay. And Salty Dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I the whole time I was listening because I've listened to this a lot, but. I was listening. I'm like, I got to go through it all. Why have I not done that? And here's an interesting fact that I read. Whiter Shade of Pale is one of the few singles, there's only a few, sold over 10 million copies. I believe it. Yeah. And I think I think the whole thing with them was they still had a career, though, because they were an album band. And they were in that era like late 60s, 70s, where that's what people did. Yep. They bought albums and they listened to every song. Right. So they were able to have a career despite, I think, I, I mean, let me take a quick look. But I think, I know Whiter Shade of Pale was probably a number one hit because it sold all the copies. But, oh yeah, they had three hits. Hamburg, which I mentioned. Yep. And then Conquistador. So that was it. But they were able to have a, a pretty long career. So that makes me even more curious. Like, okay, I need to do a deeper dive. Yeah. But I would say anybody who only thinks Whiter Shade of Pale, give this a listen. Okay. And if you like it, do what I'm about to do and listen to more. <laughs> I I don't think you like this album, Beef, but I love it. Yeah, I'll be honest. I. So this is... Sometimes I just sit and think, and sometimes I just sit. And it's Courtney Barnett. This I, came love out in... I love this album. You do? Yeah. I thought you didn't like this one. I mean, I... No, Maybe I... I'm confusing her with some other indie rock woman could, that you don't like. Could be, because I am a big fan of Courtney Barnett. Yeah. She's made a bad album yet. All right. My apologies. I'm almost positive. I'm, I'm now I'm going through her. Anyway, so why are you so eager to please? I wear my heart on my sleeve. Gets harder in the winter. Gotta be a fake or a shiver. It takes a great deal out of me. Yes, I like hearing your stories, but I've heard them all before. And that's from one of the greatest titles ever in music history. Nobody really cares if you don't go to the party. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I also enjoy Pedestrian at Best and Aqua Profundo. Those are my three favorite songs of the album. And for the most part, got great reviews. I think the article I read, somebody who didn't like it was mentioning the lyrics. I'm like, the lyrics are great. I'm like, this is an album when it's on. It's like that scene in High Fidelity where Cusack's talk about there's certain albums you just have to stop and listen to. Yeah. You can't put them on his background. I kind of feel like this is the type of album. Just the way that she sings and how strong the sound songwriting is. 
Right. And our good friend Bobby Criscow agrees with me. He feels like this album, <laughs> this album has a lot of drive and focus. And uh, Rolling Stone called Pedestrian at best the fourth best song of the year. And it did pretty well commercially too. It hit it hit number 20 in the charts. Great. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Next up is I think this is this is my second album of theirs. I think it is. 90125 by yes. And you know what I immediately think about because it's you is owner of a lonely heart, which we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> that always got a huge laugh yeah i mean I, it's i don't know what it is uh I, I i don't maybe it was just kind of the the contrast of all the music that we had talked about in the live leading up to that moment of uh, yeah. yeah um but I, it, every time that that joke never failed to kill yeah. um i don't know what it was but i uh improvised a line where i you know, because we sit and try to listen to Owner of a Lonely Heart before we, you know, can't take it anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and and my character is very drunk. And uh, and I improv one night. I said, say no to yes. And uh, I always got a laugh. <laughs> so I like waited to waited to like say it. <laughs> Anyways. But, but I, and all this to say, I really enjoyed. I don't want to. I, I enjoy this record. Yep. Not just "Owner of a Lonely Heart," but there's some good songs on there. Other good songs. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about that in a sec. So this came out in 1983. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. It can happen to everyone eventually. That song's very fun to sing along to. <laughs> As it happens, it happens. It's about so him. it's, I think there's the owner of a lonely heart thing. There's a few things going on with that. One is, yes, was a progressive rock band, right? And owner of a lonely heart is kind of a long song. Yes, and it was humongous. It was like this gigantic hit, Huge. and I listened to it. I think either yesterday or two days ago, and I'm like, yeah, all right. Now I kind of like. I used to turn it off back then but all the other songs they all my light but now i can even listen to owner of a lonely heart now i'm like oh this song's not bad it got overplayed to death oh it did it was because that was the video era too the video was on every three seconds it was on the radio non-stop so i think that's part of the reason why yeah. people were laughing about that because everybody was probably yeah. sick to death of that song because yeah. when did you first do alive like what year is it? 94. 94. So all the people that were traumatized by it <laughs> a decade later were like, yes. And there's a reason why he never plays the jams because when he is allowed to play the jams, he plays that song we've heard. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I love it can happen. Changes. Leave it. Jams. City of Love. They're super catchy songs. And unexpected from if you were familiar with Yes before, because you're used to Prime. tales from the top, topographic ocean and close to the even, even like their well known songs, like um, I've seen All Good People, they're longer songs, 
So yeah. you're not expecting some of these more accessible ones. But I, I, yeah, I really like this. I played it a lot. It was their 11th album, hit number five in the charts. It's their best selling album. So it's done better than any of their 70s ones. Oh, yeah. And Owner of a Lonely Heart, number one hit. And the song Cinema on here, which is an instrumental one, best instrumental Grammy. And it got good reviews, mm -hmm. which I was a little surprised by because I didn't remember what the reviews were because it's so accessible and usually when a band goes from being kind of pretentious to doing this kind of stuff the critics just go ravage them like what are they doing they're selling out but the the critics gave it pretty good reviews right and it was three times platinum so that was number 298 i don't even know if i mentioned yeah courtney burnett was 299 and then this is 298 and 297 is another fairly recent one, like Courtney Barnett, and that is uh, Pure Heroin. So you're a Lord fan. I love it. I Lord. I didn't realize how young she was in this. She was like 16. Yeah. This came out in 2013. We live in cities you'll never see on screen. Not very pretty, but we sure know how to run things. Living in rooms of a palace within my dreams, and you know we're on each other's team. Yeah, so this was her debut, but from the time she was 13, they were trying to get her to make an album. Yeah. Well, she was a total Too much child time. prodigy. Yeah. That song's team. That's that's my favorite song, the album. And Royals, of course. Royals is tennis court. Yeah. Got really good reviews. It was Number three in the U.S., triple platinum. New York Times named it the best album of the year. Rolling Stone had it at number seven for the year. Got a best, best pop vocal Grammy nomination. And it just kept on rolling, too, because it was the 64th best-selling album in 2013. And then it was the sixth best-selling selling album in 2014. So just people were really because I felt like when it first came out, she was more of like an XRT. She wasn't you didn't hear her on regular radio, but it just kept going and going. And then everybody was buying the album. Jesse was all over Lord. She loved played it a lot. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. So but well, not when it came out, because she was still pretty little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she came to it when she so she was like, you know, 12 or 13. Yeah. Like played it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Played it a lot. I also feel like a lot of today's, you know, stars, even Billie Eilish, but like Gracie Abrams, um, Phoebe Bridgers, um, the boy genius people. I feel like a lot of them, and I'm forgetting a bunch of others, but I think a lot of them, they vocally, they sing, they, they sound like Lord or they're copying her a little bit. I feel like Lord is very influential. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, it's just amazing that it was, she was so young right. for this. And I just wonder how that's affected her because she had the follow-up album, which I liked. I don't remember the name of it offhand. And then she had one out a couple of years ago. Yeah. 
but she's kind of out of the spotlight now. And she used to hang out with like Taylor Swift, I think. Yeah, she was. But like, I feel like she's kind of going under the radar, and maybe I mean, you get that famous that young, you definitely want to take a break at some point. So I just hope she's coping with everything okay, and she can come back and do some more good work. It's so interesting because, like, just the way it is now, you know, getting you know famous at age sixteen, seventeen used to be everyone's dream. Now everyone's like, "Well, no, I I don't want that that much that fast." I think it's interesting. well. It's also you got social media too, so it's not just being famous. It's like you're if you're on social media, it's every second of your day, someone's probably trying to get a hold of you. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. Nope, me neither. I mean, me and Beav are. I mean, I somewhat do, famous. We are besieged at favors <laughs> and endorsements. This is true, uh, but I'm older. I know how to handle it. Yes, I mean, I sign autographs regularly, yes. and I sign them playwright Len Foot. <laughs> Look for my upcoming show called Important coming soon. <laughs> The four-hour powerhouse that's going to change the world. Oh, man. All right, let's finish this up. <laughs> this one I'm not going to say a lot about. I actually looked it up. Hmm. So number 296, Blunderbuss. Oh, Jack we've White. talked about this quite a bit. We've talked about Jack White a lot, so I won't say too much. 2012, yeah, when you touch my hand, it talks, we talk. I got a knocking in my knees and a wobble in my walk. And I'm trembling. That's right. You got me shaken. So my favorite thing here, I'm shaken, love interruption, and the title cut, Blunderbuss. Solo debut, good reviews, nominated for album of the year and best rock album. It was a number one album. 66th bestseller for 2012. It went gold. I won't talk much about it. If you want to hear more about us and Jack White, Episode 186 of Jack Bags. I looked it up because it's easy to do that now that I've realized it. Uh, special guest, Sherry Adams. For all your Jack White knowledge, give that one a listen. Yeah. And that's my number 296, and that's it for me for the week. Well, this recap episode, I hope you, uh, we want to thank you all for listening. We hope you've learned something tonight or come away a better person. Uh, and I, I know I have. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Thanks for listening. Uh, we are available on uh, pretty much every uh, podcast platform uh, you can think of. So just pretty much type in Jag Bags Podcast. We'll pop right up. Give us a listen. Subscribe to us and you can have quality podcast content delivered to your device twice a week. We are also on the social medias. So find us there. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, suggest a topic. Maybe you'd like to hear more about yes. And uh, maybe a deep dive into 90125. That just five minutes was just a taste for you. And you like, hey, how about a whole podcast about that album? Uh, drop us a note. If we say, you know what? You're right. We really need to get into uh, uh, Ian Anderson in much more detail. We'll send you a Jag Bags t-shirt. Um, be the cool person in your social circle. And uh, 
that is it. Thanks very much for listening. When you're ready to listen, put a little jag bags in your ear. <laughs>